Hello, this episode is sponsored by my own community, the WB Space. If you are interested in meeting other like-minded starting bootstrappers that will support you as you build your products, make sure to check it out. The links will be in the description. Now, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Wannabe Entrepreneur, the podcast about what's really like to bootstrap a company. And today we have here another interview. I have here with me Julian Nahum. Hey, Julian, everything good with you? Hey, Chego. Everything is good. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about this conversation because uh, Julian is one of those indie makers that is actually living the dream. He, after a little bit more than a year, is making an ARR. I, I normally don't even say A. I always say M. So this is so big already that you need to say A. ARR of 160.5K. I almost rounded the 0.5, <laughs> which it, it, it's a lot. Yeah, so thanks for doing that. <laughs> it, it's so exciting, so amazing. And um, I was speaking with uh, youth from the community. He told me, yeah, you, you need to interview Julian, because he has such a great journey, super, super nice guy. So, yeah, he is the creator of uh, a no-code tool uh, that works with uh, with Notion. It's called Notion Forms, helps you to basically use forms in Notion, which is something that apparently is really, really required because people really want it. And uh, used to work at Amazon before as a developer. And yeah, we'll be basically speaking about your journey, Julia. And I have a lot of questions and I'm sure we'll learn a lot. So let's kick things off with a quick introduction from your side. Who is Julia? Uh, yeah, tell us about you. I've always been interested, you know, in uh, like entrepreneurship or trying to do uh, small businesses on the side. Uh, and when I was like 14, I was, you know, jailbreaking uh, iPhones in my school and that kind of thing. I even iPod Touch. Uh, that kind of things. Uh, then I really decided to go into software engineering. Uh, I did a, a bachelor and a master of uh, software engineering uh, in London. And while I was studying, I was, you know, always trying to uh, start some side projects. Uh, I did few. Uh, most of them, like, literally failed without any users. But one of them worked pretty well. It, it was a marketplace for, like, secondhand train tickets. Uh, it taught me a lot. It was, you know, one of my first uh, projects with actual customers that actually... Uh, earned me some money as well, so that was really cool. Then I uh, joined Amazon. I was still doing, you know, some projects on the side. Uh, it was like Amazon was a really great experience. I learned a lot, uh, but you know, I knew that I wanted to go back to uh, like indie hacking and, and entrepreneurship in, in general. So I stayed there for a bit less than uh, two years, and then I started, you know, like to go full time on on side projects. I didn't have like a precise side project at the time when I left. But, you know, I just started playing around, doing a bit of open source work, and I ultimately ended up uh, starting Notion Forms. Right. So let's talk about Amazon, uh, because uh, as an indie hacker yourself, uh, I can imagine that it must be both exciting to be in such a, comp a well-known company, but as well, probably there are some limitations that made you want to leave the corporate, the corporate dream, let's say. So... Yeah, do you remember like when you got the job at Amazon? Were you happy? Were you excited? Um, do you remember those feelings? No, I was. I was definitely excited. You know, like when when you're a software engineer, it's always exciting to be joining one of these companies. Yeah, uh, I had to, you know, to join them for internships before. Like I never managed to, you know, pass their tables and stuff. So uh, when I got in, I was, you know, proud because I, you know, like I spent a lot of time improving at. Uh, both on the technical side, but also on the non-technical side. So it was kind of like personal achievements. And, you know, I was excited just to see how it works uh, internally. And it's always fun to see the backside of the products that you use. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was like, uh, so then I joined and it was like super exciting. I joined a new team. So I was like the second team member with a very senior guy that that's like super smart, that mm -hmm. taught me a lot. Uh, and for a year, it was basically, I was, like I had, you know, direction, but I was basically doing whatever I wanted. And then because I was like one of the uh, oldest people in the team, and uh, not older in age, but in, uh, you know, like in, in tenancy, yeah. you say, tenure, tenancy, tenure, whatever. Yeah. And, and, and that was like super fun. And we we're working on a really cool project uh, involving a lot of people. Uh, that was 
uh, burning so much money. So I learned so much <laughs> about AWS. At some point, I was like literally burning one million dollar per month of AWS Whoa. resources. So that but I was like. What was the area? Was it like so? Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the AWS product, but uh, mm-hmm. you know one of the most popular ones is S3. So yeah. it's uh, like storage, and our team was trying to improve performances of S3. Oh, but okay. it's such a used product that uh, you know there are so many engineers working on it, so many teams across the world, and it's such a distributed system that you know it's hard just to get a whole picture of the whole system and understand. Yeah, yeah. Like the whole request pass. So finding the 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 areas where there are some issues causing latencies is really a tricky a tricky challenge that was yeah, like super yeah. fun. It's but it's then really after, a back a backend task. It's pure backend. There's no uh, UIs. Like what, yeah, what language so, do you work? So at first I did uh, like there were many parts. The the hardest part at first was you know trying to build the data set. So ultimately it's kind of data science. You know as long as you have some data, it's you know just try to uh, do some correlations and find where the errors are. But the thing is we didn't have like a proper data set because you know each individual part is producing its own logs and then you you do have some metrics, but uh, like it, it, it's quite hard to explain. Mm-hmm. But basically just getting clean data set to run some analysis on was super hard and that that was like the first part of the job I did. So you you needed the data set to understand where the latency was? So basically we were trying to, like the first thing to do, you know, to understand uh, why some, because like uh, S3 is is kind of a black box for users, you know, you just do requests and then you have like responses and then you don't know what happens in in the meantime. So what I had to do first was to understand, okay, the request goes in this component A and then component B, and then C takes too much time, and then it goes back to customer. And and the first part was, you know, trying to reconstruct this whole request pass among the different components to be able to identify the components right, or the teams right. that are, that had like you know some uh, issues causing latencies. So the first yeah. part was doing that, and then once we had the data set, we set up, you know, like we created some monitoring tools and some. Um, yeah, so basically some kind of data analysis to find yeah. where the issues wow. were and how to address them. That's a very technical job. Yeah, yeah, that was it's, like super that's technical. Very but far. Super exciting. It's, it's the other end of being an entrepreneur. Like you almost don't yeah. face the the clients. I mean, they will notice somehow that that you're doing these improvements, but probably it wouldn't make such a big difference for them but, to wait one more second or so. At, but at the same time, it, it was kind of uh, entrepreneur-related because you had to discuss with so many engineers and they were kind of your customers because in a way you were kind of evaluating their work, putting some kind of pressure on them because, you know, mm-hmm. you were saying, okay, like you're causing this. So it, it had this uh, part where we had a lot of freedom in what we we're doing and we were talking with many different people uh, from, you know, um, people that had like, uh, that were pretty high in the AWS right, organization right, to report right, to right. them and, and that kind of thing. But but yeah, it's very far from India hacking and winning us ass. <laughs> do, do you do you feel that you learn? Well, you definitely learn important things from working at Amazon. But what are the the most important lessons you took from this amazing experience working in such a big tech company that then you applied uh, in your indie career? Uh, first, I think the obvious thing is that I learned so much about AWS uh, and how powerful it is. Yeah, you know when when you spend like almost two years uh, going through the docs at some points, it's really it gets easier to approach new AWS services, um, uh, because in the end it's all pretty similar. Even though it sounds you know a bit uh, uh, ter- terrifying to new people, it's yeah. it's really cool and it's really powerful. So I learned uh, a lot with that, and now everything I run is uh, in AWS, uh, mostly oh, serverless, okay. which is something that's really cool and convenient. Like but l- then I think functions. Yeah, Lambda functions. Everything like I I have now is in Lambda functions. Took me a bit to get there, but now I'm I'm glad it's there and you know. I, I did the same, but with with Google, I yeah. everything runs with with functions. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. the same. Okay, okay. I I never tried like I think I never created a GCP account. Uh, I, like I, I literally don't even know what the you know, interface looks like. You really yeah, love I've, Amazon. I've been, You're like, yeah, yeah you know, fuck Google. <laughs> I, I'm Amazon no, it's guy. It's just that, you know, like, I, why why should I, you know? Like, I, I know Amazon <laughs> already. Like, I'm, I'm not going to waste time. Yeah, yeah, of same. course. I, yeah, I totally get it. I work with both, actually, because I, I used to work as a DevOps. Uh, so mm. I worked with uh, Amazon, like with EKS and moving everything. I moved, like, a whole infrastructure of the startup to, to Kubernetes in uh, Amazon. And I also That's worked cool. w- with Google and now my in my own projects because... I guess Lambda is also free. Uh, do you also have a free tier for Lambda? Yeah, you yeah, do have a free tier. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm still but, in the free tier of Google as well. So That's yeah. cool. 
Yeah. That's, I'm not that's anymore, amazing. unfortunately, but <laughs> but that's good. But you you have enough money to <laughs> yeah, pay yeah, for exactly. it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like I, I can definitely afford the, the, yeah. the price now. So you said that uh, you really understand AWS, and of course, it's really important now for for you for your uh, for your project. Is there any other lesson that you? Should... Yeah, I think I really learned as well. Uh, like you know, internally the 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 bar for every product for everything you deliver, even for internal products, is pretty high. You need to have uh, you have some like hard requirements that you need to meet before you mm -hmm. ship everything anything. Mm -hmm. So that includes you know like obviously clean code, but also a lot of monitoring. Um, you have to go through like security checks, uh, even like pen testing, that kind of things. So I really learned a lot about how to make projects, you know, more professional. Uh, obviously, as I started to do uh, in the hacking projects and stuff like this, I had to drop some of these because, you know, it, That's what I it works ask, for yeah. them. And, and yeah, like that doesn't apply to every yeah. business and you shouldn't spend half of a year, you know, testing your code before like shipping. That's definitely something yeah. I don't recommend, but But it's good to know it, you know, like to have this in mind, it, I think it really helps you uh, shipping better software ultimately. Yeah. W what is your uh, code standards nowadays? Do, like, do you try to make beautiful code? Are your functions like a total mess? <laughs> like what is the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I obviously I try to do that. And I think even, you know, like when you're a software engineer, there is always a, a certain pleasure in, in you know, writing some good code that you're happy to read yeah. afterwards. I always try to do uh, like that as well, uh, like as much as I can. But obviously, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm like everyone else, I just ship shit code and then fix it later. And I think that's that's fine as well. Uh, code is but terrible. one of the things I do is I, I do invest uh, quite a bit of time, like not so much, but just a bit of time, you know, setting up some monitoring. Uh, like I always set up a monitoring for databases, making sure, you know, CPU is okay, like uh, space is okay. And something for Lambda's, you know, like uh, I don't want to have too many failures. I keep track of every exception, that kind of things. Yeah, yeah. You need to get that CloudWatch going, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I. Yeah. Sometimes I'm I'm writing my functions. And I was like, oh my god, this is so so bad. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, maybe one day I'll fix it if this ever makes money. I think it's also like you are in the different stage. I would say you you work there for about. Two years, I guess. And then uh, I I read your blog post, by the way. I recommend everyone to go and check it out because it's very detailed of all of your journey. So I know that uh, you were about to change teams in uh, in uh, AWS and Amazon, that your girlfriend was moving to, to Paris and you would also like to move to Paris. Um, was those the main reasons, the main factors that made you change? Or were you already like feeling, man, I'm tired of working for others uh, i want to start building something my own uh or, or was it a combination of these factors no I, i definitely wanted to to do something on my own and i knew it since the beginning you know i had no plans to do a long career there uh i was commuting at the time like right actually it was during covid but before covid i was commuting maybe like two hours and a half a day mm. and i was spending all of these two hours you know working on other projects even during the weekends or at night so always i was always doing it and i wanted I knew that I wanted to go uh, back to full-time mm -hmm. on these things. Uh, but then, you know, as you said, everything aligned, uh, my girlfriend, uh, the COVID, and yeah. the fact that I was moved to a team I didn't enjoy at, as much as before. So I just decided, you know, now yeah. now is the right time to yeah. to dive. Well, <laughs> let's talk about innovation in these big companies, in companies like Amazon. Is it even possible to, like, retain people like you, people that are indie hackers, Is it possible for these companies to retain you and like create something around you that would make you happy working in a big corporate? I think there are some teams where it's possible and the team where, where I was originally was one of these teams because you know it was exciting, a lot of freedom, a uh, lot of budget as well. So mm -hmm. that was fun. I don't know how long I would have stayed there if everything stayed the same, but definitely longer. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, in bigger organization like this, there are often, you know, like uh, reorganization, teams are moved, project changes, priorities change. So sometimes you spend a year on something and then it's not a priority anymore. Yeah. So I don't know if, uh, like, if you really have like an entrepreneurship spirit and that's really what you want to do. I don't know if it would match on the long term. Mm -hmm. You can get lucky. Yeah. But then at some point, probably. I'm always trying to, to think about it, like if it's possible for companies. To give maybe as you said like to give freedom you need to give freedom to your employees and uh, yeah and hopefully they, you'll stay but yeah when you want to be an entrepreneur you you have your 
you want to be your own boss. Like even if you are doing something completely amazing, it's not your own, right? So I guess that's also one of the reasons. Yeah. And, and it's really hard to to make that happen with companies. I guess companies could just say, yeah, you build this and then you have like 50% stake. They could become your partners, maybe. This could be an option. And also now they're so big that, you know, they have uh, SLAs and stuff like this that that makes them kind of slow to move. You know, they have huge customers that are paying a lot, so they cannot afford to have things that don't work. So everything you ship, you, you need to like yeah. spend at least two times the two, like, I don't know, let's say you spend two months building a product and you need yeah. six months at least before you can actually ship it to customers because you need to go through so many internal six procedures. Months. That's crazy. That's a lot. I don't know. It's just like a rough estimate, but ah, yeah, okay. like maybe, you know, like the, you need to uh, set up like a very clean and solid yeah. infrastructure and then you need to go through a security test and then. Mm. Like that kind of things. I remember having so many fights with QA because I, I worked at Trivago. Uh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. Let, let's ship it. Come on. This is not that important. And like they would always get super mad at me like, no, you need to QA everything. And I was like, oh, my God. I was really, really frustrated. So really, really cool. You decided you, it was the perfect timing for you to go back to, to indie hacking. Um, and uh, you had you had sold a company before, right? The the marketplace, the train tickets uh, marketplace. Uh, yeah. For how much did you sell it? Sell, I sold it. Like the the value of the company was a bit uh, lower than it was around two hundred k basically. Two hundred k. Wow. And I had and That's I had amazing. a third of it, so I made I made uh, like a bit more than fifty basically. Okay. Very very good. Very very good. Yeah, amount. yeah. No, I, honestly, uh, I was happy to to get yeah. rid of it. There was, you know, a lot of issues with it. Uh, COVID came, so the business was down. Right. Uh, so it was, you know, ah, the so right you, time. You're still running it while working at Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And and that one, as uh, as you describe in your blog post, you have the chicken and the egg problem, right? Like, I think all indie makers, what we want to do is a B2C. And we all think about these platforms. How amazing it would be to create the new Facebook, the, the new, you know, marketplace. But for there, you need... As you said, you need users to exchange the tickets. Uh, and if you don't have users to exchange the tickets, no one will like try to sell the tickets there. It's just a waste of time. How did you solve that problem? We, we got lucky because we did a, a, a kind of a dirty tweak. It's not dirty, but basically <laughs> we... we at, at first, it was just me this. and my best friend. And then mm-hmm. we teamed up with this third guy mm-hmm. that basically did the exact same website but 10 years before, and his website mm-hmm. was down. And he he had a Facebook group for people uh, buying and selling train tickets that I was like, you know, just living on itself. It had like 50K members, something like this. It was super active. So at some point we just said, okay, like now we we branded the group to the website. And now we just said, now if you want to publish a ticket, just publish it on the website and then you can share the link uh, on Facebook. You know, we had the nice preview where, where you could see the tickets details and, and stuff like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we basically hijacked the traffic from Facebook groups to, to right. the main website. That's how we did it. And then, you know, we had the SEO that helped a bit as well at some point. Word of mouth. But it really started from the Facebook group. It's very smart. It's very smart. So the community was already there, right? The exactly. chicken and the egg problem was already solved. Yeah, and, exactly. And we had those buyers to, yeah. and sellers. We just yeah. kind of took them and moved them to our website. That's, yeah. that's what we did. Was it uh, very smooth? You, or did it take a while to do this move? Uh, I think it was, you know, it was pretty smooth. Like people were... At first, you know, there were some people that weren't happy with that, but then people saw that it was like way more convenient because, you know, there were scammers in these groups, like saying, yeah. okay, I'm like say, selling fake tickets, yeah. that kind of things. But with us, we are only, you know, paying the seller after the after the trip. So we we're able to, we found if it was a fake mm-hmm. tickets, that kind of thing. So I think at the, in the end, the, the, the buyers and the sellers really did see the value yeah. Uh, yeah. in what we're offering. So, you know, it went pretty well. Yeah. What what are the the challenges in the end? You said it was a nightmare. So you know it's a twenty ticket marketplace. So then COVID came. So yeah. you know like no more tickets. Like no one is traveling uh, anymore. So right, like business right, right, went right. from something to zero basically. Yeah. And then uh, at the same times we had some uh, complaints like from legal threats from uh, train company. Really. Uh, that that we're basically not allowing resale of tickets and we're kind of helping with that. So, you know, I was, it was the time where I was happy to just get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Wow, interesting. So, you 
that that's a very good experience, I guess, as well as a, as an entrepreneur to to do such a such a marketplace. Yeah, um, you you return to you return to to Paris, uh, and then you start having ideas and starting. Okay, I need to I need to build something. I need to start making money. You had a, a few savings as well, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I had some some savings from the sale and and even from my job, mm-hmm. but I didn't wait. Uh, so basically, I sold uh, the marketplace as I was still working at Amazon, mm-hmm. and then in between uh, this time and and the time I moved to Paris, uh, I created two other projects that didn't work much. Uh, there was a um, um, a website, you know, that I was kind of uh, crawling the different real estate listing in London to find flats. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't work at all. Like we tried to do the same thing, you know, with Facebook groups, but it just didn't work. Like, you know, we, we thought we had like the secret weapon, but it just didn't work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we didn't get any users. And then we, we tried to, we created a why, platform. Why do you think that didn't work? It's the same exact potion. I right? think, uh, I think so. Basically the, the reason we did this is because I was like, I was planning to move to back to Paris and mm-hmm. my, my, my best friend and flatmate needed to find a new flat. Mm. And in Paris, we knew that there was this app doing it and it was working super well. So we thought, you know, we, we need to do the same thing in London. But then I think now I realized that the issue is that in London, it's super easy to get a flat. You know, if you move to London in, in one week, you can find a flat and just really? move in. Yeah, yeah, super easy, super smooth. Expensive, but smooth. Yeah. Well, in Paris, you know, um, it's super hard to find a flat. You know, you know, you, you have a lot of background checks. You need to have a certain salary. Yeah, you need yeah, to have yeah, yeah. a... Uh, so, so I think there is more need in Paris for this kind of uh, tool than there is in London, and yeah. that's something we didn't realize uh, as we created the product. You know, you need to bring this tool to Germany. The, <laughs> really, like finding a flat in Germany. I lived in Germany for six years. It's the hardest thing you can do, especially as an expat. It's so so hard that uh, I mean, maybe that maybe well, it exists now. I mean, there's a lot of like tools to find um, to find flats, but this one you said it's it scrapes a bunch of groups, is it? Exactly, exactly. All the groups and all the websites, and 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 then you have like you know alerts you receive, like you set up your criteria, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. you have alerts uh, in your in your mailbox. Well, maybe like to be honest, it's a huge problem. Like it's funny because uh, as you're describing, like in Portugal or at least Lisbon, yeah, it's expensive, but it's kind of easy to find a flat. But yeah, in Germany, it's like expensive and it's super hard, like extremely hard. And we spend our times like going through Facebook groups, going through like the websites, going through all of that. And uh, yeah, maybe maybe it's a, it's a good idea. <laughs> I, lo- yeah. I love the, I love the, the fact that you like you 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 and your flatmate had a problem, a challenge, and you like you know instead of helping you finding a flat, let me help you like build the platform <laughs> to do that. Yeah, 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 let's yeah. make some money with it. It's it's really was, the mindset. He was right? building it with me, like all of the projects I did. Uh, basically, all the projects I did, except for Notion Forms, like I did it with that with him. Uh, <laughs> I bet he's, he's now feeling like, "What the fuck? Why didn't you do Notion Forms with me?" <laughs> no, no, I think that's that is fine. Like you know, yeah. now we're working on uh, on new projects together, so it's so it's cool. Fine. Okay, yeah. So tell me about this the Notion Forms. How this idea came to be? So. Yeah, it was uh, at the time you know I had left my job and I moved to Paris, so I was basically on my own without anything particular to do. Yeah, uh, I did you know a bit of freelancing, uh, but I always make sure you know to pick only like short-term contract, maybe like one week, two weeks, um, so that you know I don't have to uh, show up to. Uh, basically, I didn't want this guy's job where I, where I have to go every day and that kind of things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I was, you know, trying everything, like every idea I had, I was trying, trying it. Uh, there were quite a few that I didn't even ship that I, you know, just starting building, but then realized I wasn't enjoying it or didn't think it could be a business. So I just didn't do it. Tell, tell me about this process. Tell me, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but tell me about this process of like trying out an idea. What, what is trying out an idea for you? Honestly, I don't, I, I don't think there is like a, you know, detailed process. It's really, um, like gut feeling. So usually, you know, I have an idea, I think about it. I just, you know, take some notes for it. Um, and, and if I like it, if I think a lot about it, then I'll stop, you know, trying to find where I could find some customers, maybe like communities, Reddit, right. Facebook groups. So mm-hmm. I try to evaluate, like, mm-hmm. not the demand exactly, but if I can, I always try to, you know, ask questions on the Facebook group, that kind of things. Uh, Without and, writing uh, any line of code, you're still like, still researching. Yeah, yeah, but very passively, you know, like on my phone, uh, you know, while while I'm traveling, yeah. that kind of thing. It's not something serious at all. So, give me an example of something that that uh, that failed that you 
So what what was this idea that you? One of the idea I had, like I didn't even. There are some tweets I saw recently on my profile about it, but I didn't. I never like shipped it. It was basically I wanted to build not black magic, something uh, <laughs> not as good as black magic, something way less cooler, but something in the same vibe where. It would yeah. basically help you get started on Twitter. It would tell you, okay, uh, every day you'd have, you know, some tasks to accomplish with like some rewards, like XP. And uh, it would say, for instance, uh, you should follow that guy. And then you should interact with that guy because yeah. you interacted a few times with him yeah, before, yeah. but not today, that kind of things. Mm -hmm. So some, some kind of a personal assistant for Twitter. Yeah. That's a unique idea. <laughs> everyone yeah, wants think, to do like, it. It's literally everyone I've met. There's yeah. one in every five indie hackers wants to do that. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 then you know I realized that first of all, doing something that would really work and help you is hard. I didn't want to do like a tweet hunter, you know, that writes tweet for you, that kind of things. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. just a tool to help you focus on the right thing. But then you know, like I I I don't know. I didn't. Get you the motivation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't feel it exactly. So, so in I, this I case, just... it was not necessarily because of the demand; it was just because of yourself. You thought, like, yeah, I don't want to build this. Yeah, like I actually started to build it. I, I started, mm -hmm. you know, the project. I, I had, you know, I had few features working, and then, you know, I did. I didn't feel it. Yeah. Maybe I should have done it because, you know, yeah. at the time, Black Magic was still uh, there. There weren't that many features. It was mostly, you know, changing your cover, uh, yeah, like your Twitter yeah. profile cover, or had uh, you mm -hmm. could add, you know, this. Uh, cycle around your yeah, yeah, yeah. profile pictures it was still simple it wasn't as good as it is today yeah and uh, i don't know if twitter hunter existed but basically mm -hmm. there weren't that many twitter tools so it, i wasn't like demotivated by yeah. that it was just i didn't feel it by the way i interviewed these two uh creators tony dean and Tibo. yeah, yeah. so <laughs> if people want to want to learn about, learn more about those those tools i think uh black magic it's it's crazy how he was able to grow it, to be honest. I think it's it's really such a marketing problem, and he did amazingly. Um, so, but how was your research to understand if there was demand? Like, would you just go on Twitter and ask people? Would you, like, it's try to... That, you know, at the time, I had, like, 50 Twitter followers. So yeah. I was, like, I was like the customer for it, you know? Yeah. And then I was trying to look for tools and stuff. I don't know. Like, for, for this particular project, I don't think I, I, I did that much research right. uh, apart from you know experiencing mm -hmm. the need it's your, your own need but let's take another one and and sorry to be so pushy but, but i really want to understand because this is clearly work so do you go on reddit um like let's say you find a community around i don't know train tickets or something um do you go on reddit and do you do like ask hey how do you find train tickets? how do you sell secondhand train tickets do you like do this kind of questions to see how people are solving the problem or what questions I, do you I, do like the this, one of the things I really like, now you probably understood that, are Facebook groups. Like Facebook groups, I think they're amazing and they're really great at helping yeah. you evaluate the, the demand for something. Okay. Yeah, Facebook groups for everything. Like literally from dog walking to trading Legos or like everything you can think of, there is a Facebook group for it. Uh, so I really like Facebook groups. But for instance, for Notion forms, like, you know, I first I was excited uh, by the fact that they launched the API uh, because mm. I was a Notion user and a software engineer. Um, then I thought, you know, like I, as I saw this form feature for Airtable and I thought it would be cool to have it in Notion. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at, I looked at other tools that exist already for Notion. Uh, there was this other tool called Chili Pepper, which is, which is pretty cool, but, uh, existed basically before the official API. So it was kind of hacky. Right. You had to find the API key, uh, like basically some, some geek things. So, uh, I thought there was a need because Chili Pepper was doing pretty well. Um, it, it did like, I think first, uh, like product of the day on, on product, uh, hands. Uh, and also like many people were just using Airtable form features. So I thought, you know, like notion users probably want to do the same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. How do you know that people are using the form features? Of Airtable? Because that's, that's funny. So I was doing an internship, like literally probably seven years ago in, in Paris, in a company right. that were like using it so much for everything basically all of their business was relying on Airtable and the form feature mm -hmm. and then later on you know as years uh, went by i i so many like i i did receive a lot of uh, Airtable forms you know sometimes for job applications sometimes for like contact form that kind of things mm -hmm. okay since you have this kind of indie making mind entrepreneurial mind you immediately start thinking what are the possibilities let me check the docs let me see what i can do uh, and then you think okay we don't have no, uh, forms. Uh, I miss the forms. 
let's bring the forms. Uh, a lot of people are using it in, in Airtable. Uh, there's a, this other product that is kind of hacky, but it works. So probably there's something there. What, what are the next steps? Do you like start building? Do you start trying to get clients first? What are the next steps there? Then I just spent like five days building it. Literally, I think it was just five days. I built like a first version of it. Um, and it's, it works. How was it? But How it, was the first version? So it's, it's really bad, but it works. It just supports like all the basic uh, types of fields. Uh, you can only make a field like a hidden or required, but like, you know, the M- it's an MVP. It works. Like you can create a form, receive submissions in Notion, and that's all. Mm-hmm. Uh, How was the design? Did you put effort into the design? Was it uh, good looking? Was it like professional? Or is it just like very, you know, it was only, very only simple. HTML? <laughs> no, no, it was, uh, you know, I'm using Tailwind. And I think with, like, mm. I believe with Tailwind, it's not too hard to build like okay design because there are so many components available for free on the internet. So I was mostly, you know, doing some patchwork between all the things I could find Mm -hmm. online. So it wasn't nice, uh, but it was, you know, okay-ish, like usable. Uh, It didn't look too bad, I I hope. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, I built built it and then I just shared it on Reddit, Facebook groups, Twitter. And I started to get the few users, like first few users like this. Mm -hmm. So you, with the first version, you got uh, users. Were they paying already? No, no, no. Everything was free. Okay. So this kind of validated. Like, did you immediately start speaking with your users, trying to get feedback? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was I was speaking with so many people. Like, I created a Facebook groups where I was, you know, discussing with people using it. I was uh, even sending Facebook DMs to people, uh, mails. You use so much Facebook. It's so interesting. Everyone would say that Facebook is dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, for I know, you, I it's crucial. I don't know. Like for I, I use it a lot. I think it's dead except for the groups part, which is which is the main yeah, reason I use yeah, it. Yeah, I do yeah. use Messenger a bit with my friends and, and family. Now I tend to use WhatsApp more. Yeah. But uh, in France, Facebook was huge. Like at least the Messenger part. But now I just use it for groups or Messenger already. And there's a lot of Notion people because Notion has so many like there's Discord and there's so many yeah. like forums around Notion, but people still use Facebook. Yeah, there are Facebook groups around Notion that have, I don't know now, but probably like quite a few with more than 50k yeah. users. Yeah. And, they are, wow. and they're super active, you know. But it's really fun because I think the demographics between um, communities on Facebook or Reddit, like they're different. You know, in Reddit, you're going to have probably more techie guys. Um, yeah, living uh, in their mom's then, basement yeah, and like yeah, complaining yeah, like, about everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that kind of people, I guess. <laughs> and then when, when you go to Facebook groups, you have like more senior people, you know, like... Uh, people in their 50s trying yeah, to use new yeah. cool product and then it's really like different demographics so i think mm-hmm. it's super interesting to try to advertise in, in different uh, platforms so but how do you advertise in on facebook groups like you go to a notion facebook group and you just like spam it you say hey i'm creating forms for notion uh basically yeah i just said yeah i created this tool it's free uh, you can make forms you know i'd love to get your feedback and and that's really pretty yeah. much it you know it was a nice video showing how it works very briefly Okay. And that's it. So that's enough to kick things off. That's enough to start having your first users. It's enough to kind of validate the idea, to start speaking with them. And as you just mentioned, that's crucial. Like you need to start immediately sharing and, and getting collecting feedback. But this is not a long-term marketing strategy, right? And and I I've I've been feeling that as well. Like I need a way to keep having people coming to my website without me always going and past, uh, pasting on Facebook groups and and uh, Notion forms and everything. Uh, not Notion forms, Notion Discord channels. So what was your, uh, did you think of that? Like what, what is going to be my uh, my future marketing strategy? I didn't really, you know, like I, I, I was aware of this, but I was kind of focusing, you know, uh, trying to make the product better. I, I was receiving so much feedback, so much, uh, so many features, ideas. So I spent a lot of time iterating on the product and not that much, um, working on you know marketing and advertising mm-hmm. uh i did uh, hire a freelancer you know to produce some videos showing how to use the product that kind of thing so i was doing a bit of that but but not that much mm-hmm. i did create few landing pages uh but and they do work but you know i didn't do too much to be to be honest mm-hmm. i think the the main thing that helped me is that uh a form builder is a viral product by, by design you know it's mm-hmm. uh, like you definitely have product-led growth because you create a form and then, I mean, customers create forms and then 
they share the forms and then people see it's an ocean form mm-hmm. and then you get more backlinks and and word of mouth speaking uh seo so yeah, yeah that, that's think, something that i read in your blog post that got me really uh, uh curious which is like the backlinks part so how does that work so why are you going doing backlinks uh, where are these backlinks coming from they are coming from notion they are coming from their website pretty much anywhere so let's say i'm a, i'm a user of notion forms right. i have my personal website i create a contact form with notion forms and then i embed this form on one, on my website mm-hmm. and that basically creates a backlink from my website to notion forms and how so do you Google, embed it's like javascript snippet or it's something like, like iframe it's just an iframe Ah, so okay, basically you embed literally the page of the form but then you know when it like the form when it detects that it's an iphone it changes a bit it's designed to to you know make it look nice but yeah. essentially you're just embedding the page right and the iframe still is considered to come from the the host website it's not coming from notion uh so the website is notion forms so there's nothing related to notion at, at that point you know it's just me in the back end that does the notion parts but yeah it's just notion forms Right. But the good the good like the, the thing I'm not sure of is do iframes count as uh, exactly. backlinks? That's my question. Yeah or, yeah. or is it the fact that there is a link to the website, you know, it says powered by Notion Forms below the form. Is it this that counts as a backlink or the actual uh iframe? Yeah. I'm not sure. Like yeah, I, that... I that's that would be interesting and there there are probably answers on on the internet. Uh, yeah. I found People saying yes, some people saying no, but I, I'm not sure to be honest. But it worked for you. <laughs> it works. <laughs> so how long did it take for Google to pick it up and 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 uh, and show it in the first results? Um, I think I, like I, I, I came up in the first results pretty fast. Uh, at least when you type, you know, create a form with Notion or yeah. uh, Notion form, something like this, because obviously the name is, you know, is yeah what Every, it is everyone if there's a, there's a big demand for that so if there was no other solution yeah yeah, Google needs yeah to they, they, there was one uh so there was chili pepper yeah. and probably one other uh maybe like other phone builders trying to advertise the fact that they had a notion integration but but there wasn't there wasn't much competition so mm-hmm. i i you know quickly became the first yeah. uh wizard on the search wizard page yeah. tell me about your first dollar like how mature was the product? How did you like this? When did you decide to like, okay, let's start asking for money. So, you know, as I started, as I started to get more users, I, I thought, okay, like I, I want to try monetizing this. Uh, but I wasn't sure how to, I, I didn't want to have a, like, you know, usage based pricing, like type form, uh, where you pay per submission or that, that kind mm-hmm. of thing, because I don't like the fact that, you know, you're using a form and then if it gets popular, you have to pay. I didn't like this feeling. Okay. So I knew I wanted to build like a very simple pricing. You pay per month and then you have access and limited to whatever. So mm-hmm. I decided it was going to be like a feature access based pricing. Mm-hmm. So once when I decided that I basically every feature I was uh, adding to the product based on, you know, feature requests, suggestions, or just some ideas I had, I was deciding if it was going to be part of the, of the, you know, paid right. plan or not. And then I was adding a, a pro tag next week saying okay like this feature is free for now but ultimately it will become paid uh you can use it for now but then at some point you know you'll have to pay to keep using it yeah and then once i i thought you know i have enough features now to justify the price uh i just you know i just went with it i set up a, a subscription plan and then i uh i did the paywall to the features mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. and uh how many users did you have back then do you remember uh honestly i don't know uh probably i actually don't know uh like maybe one or two thousand three thousand maybe three thousand already okay maybe two thousands basically that's important because that's already a lot of users it's already like you can really see that there's something that you're doing something well like that like with your experience growing other businesses did you know like okay i have something here like two thousand years three thousand users that's a lot Right. That yeah, I mean that's the number of registered people. You know, well, some yeah. of them they registered without uh, managing to use the product. Some of them they mm. just used it once. So I don't know the number of active users back then, but yeah, I was already happy to have you know yeah, that many yeah. users at least even registered. Yeah, of course. Uh, I definitely felt that you know maybe like I wasn't confident that I would make money with it, but I knew like it was enough to, for me to yeah, try. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh... Did you did you immediately make money once you launched it? So I 
So I, you know, I plan everything. I send some emails to users saying, okay, on this date, it's going to become, uh, you know, I'm launching the, it's paid the end version. of beta. Mm -hmm. I'm launching the paid features. And then I do it. Uh, and then, you know, I was like, so, so yes, I was, I was really, uh, for maybe four hours, nothing happened. And I was okay. Like, I'm just them. Like, why, why this price? Why did I thought, you know, people would, would pay for it? Yeah. And how, then much, one guy, how much money did you ask for? So I was asking for $15 per month 15? for the, okay. yeah, 15, but I sent all of the existing users, uh, I think it was 40% discounts codes, something like this. So it was $9 per month for them. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then one guy, he took a, a yearly subscription, uh, after a few hours and yeah. I was like, so happy, you know, I was like, it was really like the best moment of the project. Yeah. I was yeah. so exciting. Um, and, and the guy was actually one of the, he was French as well. And I was talking a lot with him uh, on the product. He was sending me a lot of feedback and stuff yeah. and he was super nice. So that was, you know, really kind of him to, to, to do that. Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, and then from then on, how was it like? Did you start getting like people buying, acquiring the pro? Uh, how how did the like the MRR e evolve uh, from then on? I don't exactly remember all the metrics. Uh, I can look for it, but basically, it took me uh, the first months maybe it was uh, like two or three hundred uh, MRR, then maybe uh, seven eight hundred by the end of second months, and then I passed like one K. Something like this. It, it was, you know, slow, but yeah. uh, gradual. Yeah, after three months, I was at like 996 MRR. And then the months after, I added like almost 700 to it. So, you know, it was going like this. Yeah. And 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 then it basically just kept growing until reaching the 160K per mm -hmm. year? Or yeah, like, exactly. did you notice that there was something that like gave a spike? Of like people registering or something. No, like I can, I'll, I'll, I'll send you. I can show you like the curve. It's really steady. It's just yeah. straight. You know, it just goes yeah. like this, and then yeah, it's yeah. not even exponential, or maybe it is, but very slightly. You know, it's yeah. just going like this. It's that's amazing, and because you also don't have a lot of churn, I guess. So it's just like growing up, going up. I had at first, I had no churn at all, and I was so pleased. And then churn happened and appeared, you know, while churn appeared. Yeah. And it was like 10% churn. So I was like kind of scared because 10% yeah. is, is quite a lot. But then now every month it gets down a bit. Uh, so now I'm around like 5 6%. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's still going down. So that's really good. What is your job now? I mean, it's a form, right? So I guess there's not a lot of new features you can add since you're already working on it so long. And that's, you, that's what that's what yeah. I saw. But first, yeah, there are always new features you can add, and like people, they have so many use cases for you that there there are there will always be new features to add. Yeah. But you're right. Like most of the obvious features, they're pretty much done. You know, I have like logic, I have file uploads, I have uh, customization. Yeah. So even notifications, uh, Zapier integration. Once you have like all of these, then, you know, like, people are mostly satisfied with the product. Yeah. Um, so, so now, now I, so do you spend, how much time do you spend per day on it? Now I spend less than one hour a day per, uh, on it. It's amazing. It's so I, I spend maybe like 30 minutes per day doing like customer support. Uh, and, and that's pretty much it. But it's also because like I've hired uh, like a full-time software engineer that mm -hmm. helps me so everything that every time there is something that needs to be done you know i just uh create a card like a task in notion and and then he does it and but i just do the code reviews basically full time so yeah. you have someone working full time for you already yeah so that's that's quite a big chunk of money right like it's, it's yeah. a developer salary like what what is the reasoning behind it like it's such an automatic product um was it hard hard for you to to think okay let's hire someone uh so basically, I have some friends in London that have the startups and, you know, they uh, uh, explained to me that they were working with an agency uh, for that, were, that was like providing them with developers and I had like the opportunity to try for months. So I thought, you know, like, okay, I might, you know, just try it. Um, and I was already at the time where I was not enjoying as much as before. Uh, when I was adding features, you know, like creating a product is very exciting, but yeah, there are some yeah. features that are just going to add, you know, you know, straight, like there are no challenges, you know how to do them, mm -hmm. uh, but it just takes time. And you know, it's same for bugs, you know, sometimes investiga investigating bugs is like, you know how to do it, but it just takes time and it's not yeah, fun. Exactly. Uh, so I wanted to try to focus on other things. Uh, and, you know, I was just 
I wanted to reinvest and then try to do more things. So I thought, you know, let's just try and, and, and then it worked really well and it's going really well. So I'm, I'm super glad I'm, I did yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really like the next step. You know, you create your, your project and, and now it's time to for it to become a company, right? Uh, yeah. What what is, what is the the future for for you? Like, what do you see Notion Farm going? Like, do you want to build other Notion integrations? Uh, do you want to work in no codes? Do you have ideas? Um, I I did try to launch another Notion related product uh, that still exists. Uh, it it didn't get any traction. Uh, truth is, I didn't market it enough and like properly. Mm -hmm. So I feel a bit ashamed, you know, that I'm not working on it. But it's just that I didn't get a good feeling for it. Mm -hmm. uh, so now I'm, I'm working on like different projects, uh, which is like why I also have like, you know, a full-time software engineer because it allows me to uh, try new projects without right. having to do too much coding, right? I just yeah. set the, the plan for it and then I can focus on other things. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm gonna, I'm about to launch another form builder, uh, <laughs> which okay. is without Notion this time. It's really like some kind of a type form or Google form alternative uh, that's going to be uh, entirely free at least for for a bit and i'm going to open source it so you know anyone can just fork it cool. add new features or uh self-hosted for instance mm -hmm. so that's something i'm about to launch uh i already have like you know few users trying it and it uh, so mm -hmm. far so good yeah and then i have other projects with uh my friend uh yeah. with whom i was living with uh, and i are they still in no code? Uh, in the no code. Uh, so the form builder is definitely yeah. no code. You know, it's just yeah. essentially the same thing as Notion forms, but without the Notion bit. Yeah. And the other one is not uh, gonna be a SaaS. It's gonna be a marketplace. Oh, okay. uh, I wanna. Let's go back to the marketplace. Chicken and yeah, 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 exactly. So we we want to. You know, I'm I'm really into SaaS and the hacking and yeah, and I I really enjoy you know talking with other indie hackers. So I wanted to do something in that space. Okay. And uh, we've had this idea for a bit where we think that, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with AppSumo. Uh, yeah. AppSumo, yeah, yeah. I think it's cool and the idea is nice uh, because, you know, you can help new people starting the projects, mm -hmm. uh, get the first few users, uh, go, etc. But we think that there is room for uh, another product and we think, what do we think a better product than AppSumo? So that's what we're currently working on. Wow. Okay. We, we have to talk about this later because I, I'm also doing something in that, in that spectrum. But um, one thing that I, I've interviewed here in the podcast, people, there are still like, they didn't make it. So they didn't reach uh, Raman and they're still doing so. And their anxiety, obviously, it's, it's to get money, right? So that's their, their biggest worry, try to get clients, try different things. But sometimes... I also interview people like you, people that I consider that they have made it in, in this indie world. They are making a good amount of money. They can uh, hire people. And I guess their anxieties are different. So I, I've heard that people sometimes they lose, lose motivation because they think, okay, why, why bother? I mean, I'm already making a good salary. Uh, I could just sell it. I guess you could sell it now for like, a, I don't know, 500, like half a million. I don't know, something like this, probably. I mean, since 5X sounds reasonably. Um, so... What are your anxieties at the moment? Uh, what, what keeps you up at night? First, I think that, you know, in general, as for every business, you're always worried that it's going to stop. Okay. Uh, like, you I worry did some about projects. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, maybe the fact that I'm based, you know, I'm an extension for another product really doesn't help with that. You know, maybe I'm, sometimes I'm afraid maybe you know, Notion is not going to like what I'm doing anymore and then just going to uh, shut shut me down basically you know cut the api access yeah I, I don't think they'll do that you know but that's something you know that could happen or maybe notion is not going to be as popular as before and you know people will start will stop using it and then yeah. my product will basically become useless uh i don't know there are many things that could happen you know so i i do uh have a fear for that mm -hmm. uh which is also one of the main reasons why i want to try to Diversify, diversify, you know. I want to try yeah. making revenue from another product that doesn't rely on something else. Yeah. Do you do you still have the same motivation as you started uh, now that you are making a good good salary? I think I still have the same motivation in general. Uh, like yeah. I'm, I'm still super excited about you know entrepreneurship, creating new yeah. products, meeting new people, uh, and you know providing some value. That's really mm -hmm. something that drives me. But, but definitely there are some ups and downs uh, for Notion Forms, you know. Sometimes mm -hmm. I 
I just can't be bothered, you know, like to think about new things or yeah. I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm focused on other things. Uh, but now I'm, I'm, I think I'm dealing with that pretty well. You know, I just allow myself to do other things for a bit, mm-hmm. to try new projects. And then, and so far, like, you know, that works for me. Are you a workaholic? Do you work a lot? Uh, I think it, it, it depends. Like there are some periods where I'll, like, I think, first of all, like I spend most of my time where I'm not, you know, with friends or family working because I enjoy it. Right. But then at the same time, but you know, that's kind of the definition of workaholic, isn't it? But, that, but yeah, but yeah. I was saying, but then at the same time, uh, you know, like during the summer, for instance, I was, you know, traveling quite a lot. I was with friends, with family. So I was working probably like less than three hours per day. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that was fine. Like yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I wasn't, you know, like stressed more or that kind of things. But how many? So I'd say it depends. I have periods basically. In, in your high periods, periods where you're working really hard, how, how, how long per day? Like how many hours per day do you, do you do? I have no idea. Like usually I'd say I start working at nine, nine thirty. And then, I don't know, like usually, it really depends, you know, most of the time I kind of stop around seven, but then, you know, after dinner, if I have an ID or something, I just yeah, pick up the computer yeah, yeah. a bit. So, so not like that many, I think hours, something, yeah. yeah, yeah, something like this probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you've been talking with a lot of other indie makers as well, right? You said like you're doing yeah. meetups and everything. What is the biggest mistake that you see starting indie makers do more frequently? Uh, I'd say it's all about, you know, finding, getting some validation and, and finding the product market fit, uh, I guess. So they don't um, do it properly. I, I feel like people don't do it uh, enough and, mm. and not fast enough as well. Um, you know, now I, I did so many useless projects that every time I start a new project, my only worry is, you know, how to get some users. And if I don't get any, I'm, I'm just, I just, I just want to move on. Uh, that's what happened with the other notion tool I created, and and now you know I I do feel a bit uh, maybe I I moved on too fast and like I didn't entirely move on, but uh, I think it's great to be able to move on mm-hmm. uh, or to try different things or different approaches. But definitely to me, it's the most important thing is to get users. So you think that people they spend too much time building a product without validating and then they keep insisting and insisting and they they do not move on yeah you know there is this running joke uh running joke about this guy in a cave building a product for two years yeah and then no nothing happens but but the truth is i think it, it even though it's a joke now yeah. uh, but i still see many people doing it and i don't yeah. think it's a yeah. such a good idea you know Julian, for, for me, I think that, yeah, there's still people doing that, but the big challenge and the one that where I fit in, I would say, is like when you build something that kind of works, something mm. that like kind of has some users, like for, for, for me, I, I run a community right there. And that's kind of what's making, I also like explore a lot and try different things, but the community is something that like, I have a few about like 60 paying a little bit more paying users and, and they are like super happy. A lot of them are like, yeah, this is amazing. I love it. But again, it's it's not making enough. Like it takes so much time to get. Like I, I reached out five five hundred MRR. So it's and I'm doing this for a year. Like the same amount of time as you. Um, so like, how do you manage this? How do you know that it's like it's not good enough? Like, what what does it mean to have users and not have users? Because it's like some people paying. Is it enough, or or not? I that's a very good question, and I probably don't have an answer for it. But I'd say. I, I, I don't know everything what uh, I don't know everything that you're doing, but I think like I like this approach where you do have this community and you try to uh, you know do things around it to grow it. So you have the podcast. Uh, I saw recently you you launched the design thing. Yeah, I think these are very, easy, very like t- t- just testing that as well. I don't think yeah yeah, but that's, I think yeah, that's yeah. a smart thing to do. You know, like why not? Like it's it's kind of uh, helps your community. It goes what you al- already have. That's uh, working already and then it, it maybe it's gonna bring yeah more like uh money for you but uh, if it was you, would, kind of you would you skip it would you say like yeah it's it's not it's not fast enough for me Let me but try how, how much time like is, it, does it occupy you full time yeah to run the completely, community completely yeah. really yeah because i'm always thinking on new ways like uh, maybe just to run it wouldn't take full time but like if i want to work on on marketing if i want to work on new ideas, new features for the community, because like I have so many bots running and helping in the community and everything. Um, 
that like yeah it takes me it takes me full time and do you think you could reduce that to a point where basically you stop adding new features new bots to the community but you just focus on you know providing the value uh, which is probably you know interacting with people uh, doing like the animations and that kind of things but stop kind of uh, the the you know the technical yeah. developments yeah i could do you think do you think that that could work or would it ruin the community do you think like people stay because you add all of these things or because of the you know that's that's, that's a great question um i think not not because of the features uh, the new features uh, necessarily i think yeah they do in increase a little bit the engagement and they are cool but i'm not necessarily because of that but i do think that um like new people joining is also important to like keep Like, you know, you see that there's new people joining and there's, because there's also a little bit of churn, not a lot, but like some people also leave. So you need like people coming. Um, so if I, I feel that if I just do the bare minimum to like manage the community, create some events, etc., like I, I won't have people joining. And if people are not yeah. joining, then like it kind of dies. I, I That's my fear that eventually uh, it will it will die because I don't have a, a very good source of marketing for me. I think that's the biggest issue. Like if I was like having people coming, like it happened to you with Google, like people just coming and, and you can just focus on, on working on a product or not because you have new people coming every day. But since I don't have that, um, I think that's, that's might be the, the biggest issue. Yeah. But I think, uh, I think you're right. Like you raised some, like the most important points. First, you need to retain the people you have because yeah. uh, otherwise uh, you need to fight against Sean. Uh, which which you seem to be doing pretty well. Uh, so maybe you can try to slow down a bit on on that. Uh, obviously, don't you know like don't stop talking. Like just do whatever you do that works. Yeah. But try to invest all of the rest of your time maybe doing some acquisition. So it could be anything writing a maybe blog post on on the people that are, you have on the community or yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe just on transcribing the podcast you do. You know just to yeah. get some more content. Mm -hmm. To do SEO, like I don't know, but basically trying to focus on acquisition and some on on and maybe as well on some other side projects such as the yeah. design one you did to you know get some money uh, on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Okay. Know. It's a it's a tricky question. I I don't have an answer to it, and I think that's up to you. You know, at some point uh, you you probably need to leave and make some money. So yeah, you yeah, yeah, like you're the only yeah. person that knows. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm always like the reason as the way I'm asking is. And I don't want it to make too much about about me, but uh, it's because I'm always trying to figure out, and that's what the reason why I have these uh, interviews as well. Like I wanted to figure out if there's a formula to be an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur, right? And uh, of course, I'm not as naive as the, uh, you know, to pretend that there's really one way. Like, okay, follow these steps and you'll be a successful entrepreneur. No, there's so many variables, right? But I'm trying to understand if there's a Like, uh, that's why I interview people to understand what they did right and try to get different perspectives. And and for you, what I can see is you, no code seems to be a great area. Like, and I've interviewed a lot of people that are making a lot of money because there's so much demand. There's so many people entering in no code that if you, and there's so many things lacking still, like forms. I mean, that's obvious. Like forms is the, the basic thing. Everyone needs it. But the fact that Notion doesn't have it yet shows that there's so many potential. So for sure, like finding a place with a, a lot of demand is crucial. But then I need to understand like, Yeah, how people structure, like how people tested, when do people quit? Um, and that's what what I was kind of trying to figure out. Like when does Julian think it's it's time to quit and, and focus on something else? I don't know. It's it's really a tricky mm -hmm. question. It's, yeah, it's yeah. I think the hardest part is first to start and then the second hardest is to know when to stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. So you did you did one of the two, and hopefully you, you, I really hope you won't have to do the second one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but um, I when I asked you like what what was the biggest like uh, what what was the biggest problems that you see in indie makers, you said it's that they don't validate, and I think that's it's a great um, key point to take. So people need to validate their idea. They need to they don't they should not invest a lot of time building something if they don't have users. So that's something that that you do. Uh, and you and and we can see. So you said in your blog post that you got lucky. Say I was lucky. I, I found something that has a huge demand, and uh, one that just met you and and does not know all the work behind might think, yeah, he was lucky. You know, he found something, and and you can see see say that for like Peter levels as well. Like ah, uh, he was lucky. He found Norman List, and there was you know a huge demand. But 
what we don't see is that how much work it goes in in his mind and your mind and any other entrepreneur mind which is like always thinking about new ideas always validating new ideas and trying out many things that do not work like your project that you just mentioned the other notion problem uh maybe if i follow you on twitter i would know but like if i check your profile there's nothing saying okay i tried this and i failed you know i only see the things that work so it seems that you, yeah you just give me an idea i'm gonna i'm gonna create a blog post this week listing all the projects i did that failed and yeah. then, and try to estimate how much time i, I spent on it I that's, think that's a good crucial. idea yeah i think that's crucial because people I only see your profile, your online profile, and I think, okay, he just made it. I don't know, he's lucky or or he's, I don't know, he's above average. Uh, but I think that's also the reason of your success, isn't it? Like, you tried a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, and then you you know how to identify what works and what doesn't. Yeah, yeah, I think, I don't know if I know that, but, you know, I, I have a better evaluation skill, which is probably not 100% right at all. But as you said, you know, it, it's luck, but... Uh, you're way more likely to be lucky when you do it 10 times than just once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the only thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So for for your future, what, what are you trying? You already said like you're trying new products, you, you have Notion forms, uh, you have a, a team working on it. Um, do you ever think of selling it? I had a few uh, acquisition offers in the past and... I I almost sold it before it it made any money actually like for 6k because you know it was very, I, uh, I read it yes it was Crazy. maybe like few weeks what after a mistake that have been 6k <laughs> my god yeah yeah I don't know like you know I, I had built it for like I, I forgot the timeline between the the offer and and the creation of the thing yeah. but it was really short and you know I thought okay maybe I spent two or three or even four weeks so that's 6k yeah I mean why not yeah. but then. But then I felt bad. I felt bad because I was thinking, you know, that guy that I don't know, he trusts my product more than I do. So like I'm yeah. missing something, you know. I'm, I'm either that guy's crazy, yeah. either I am. So I like I prefer not to follow, yeah. and I just didn't want to. You, you had everything re almost ready, right? Like the for yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. contracts and everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's also to be honest for me a huge business opportunity. People buying these tools for six k for me. Now that I think about it, that's nothing. Like six k, what is that like? It's, it's for something that has the potential of making 200k in a year. Imagine yeah, but at the time year. it wasn't even making money, so you like there was there was no way to tell, you know. So yeah, and now you have some offers. How much do you think you can ask for? Like, do you think you can ask half a million for, or or even more for? for I this? think a million, probably not. But I guess no, it half, depends. half a million, like five hundred thousand. Half a million, I think. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if I would find someone that would buy it at this price. But if you like, if you keep a valuation of like five x, yeah, which can be a bit high, maybe for bootstrap business. That's almost I a guess, million. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if I wait a bit and and reach two hundred k, then maybe I could hope for that. But then that's potentially because you need to find someone looking, you know, willing yeah, yeah. to put that price for it. Yeah. Yeah. As as a last question, like. You are in the indie making world and we are all in this community, which is a community that is a little bit different than the VC world. Like we try to build things on our own and I think we are all passionate about it. Where would you like to see this community go in the next uh, in the next five to ten years? That's a cool question. I I have no idea, man. I think I, I you know first I one thing I realized is I wasn't a Twitter user at all before. Uh, mm -hmm. I had like never used Twitter or maybe just with friends in high mm -hmm. school. But I kept, I kept hearing that, you know, people on Twitter, they're just mean and, and like basically bad things about Twitter. But then when I discovered the India hacker community, I thought, you know, like all of these people, they were lying all, the yeah. all this time. Yeah. Then I realized that it depends on what part bubble, of Twitter yeah. you are. And I really love the India hacking community because people are, you know, they're so nice. They're like so easy to approach and full of amazing advices. Uh, so my hope is definitely for that to stay the same. Uh, and then I guess to go even more. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. I'd love, you know, if too. we had like meetings every week or every like two weeks all around the world and I could just, you know, travel yeah. anywhere and just meet new indie hackers. Uh, that would be amazing. Yeah. And it's, I think it's getting there slowly. Yeah, me too. Me too. That's a wonderful, wonderful vision for the future of the community, I would say. <laughs> Julia, thank you so much uh, for taking the time. Uh, it was really a pleasure speaking with you and learning from your journey.
Same. Thanks a lot, Chego. That was super fun. And this was my conversation with Julia. Make sure to check the show notes for his Twitter and the blog post we talked about. Besides that, Julia has actually joined the WBE now. He's on our Slack. So for $10 a month, you can join our community. You are not only supporting this podcast, but also supporting your own projects. And uh, yeah, Julien and other experts are also there and they will for sure help you with any questions you might have. You can also buy the WB merch. We have mugs, t-shirts, everything at store.wannabe-entrepreneur.com. And of course, if you want to chat with me, ask questions, give suggestions, make sure to DM me on Twitter at WB Tiago. This was another Wannabe Entrepreneur. See you next time.